Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. But thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. I'm from Texas and was planning on moving to OH to live with my mum, but before I moved, she told me that when she was in the house one time by herself midday that she heard a growl come from upstairs. She said that she ran upstairs yelling and checking all the rooms. I honestly thought that she was just joking, but about a month later, I moved in and I started school. So there were times that I was home by myself and everything was just normal. I hadn't heard anything, so I started to think that she was just full of it and scared because she was by herself with the accompaniment of her boyfriend every now and then. I just finished a study sesh at the library around 7.30 and my mum said that she was working late. By the time I got home, it must have been about 7.45 and during the winter time, so the sun was already set. I went inside, only the kitchen light on, and started eating a snack while just leaning against the counter. I looked towards the dining room where it was dark and I don't know why but I just started to feel uneasy. So I went to turn on the light. As I was walking back I was passing the stairs and it sounded like someone was running down the stairs all of a sudden. So I stopped thinking that it was the neighbors or the house settling and then I started walking past the couch and I heard really heavy breathing like if someone literally just got through running a marathon. I stopped, listened, but after a while it was gone, so I just decided to ignore it and I go back to the kitchen to finish my snack. And as soon as I leaned against the counter again, something growled at me from the other side of the wall. I stopped what I was doing at that point and I was slightly peeking around the corner. 
and it growled at me again, even louder this time. It was at this point that I ran outside to my car and I sat in it, watching the house for the next two hours until my mum came home. I told her what happened and she believed me, but her boyfriend just laughed in my face. It's been a good seven months now and we've heard the growl two other times and we felt awful energy towards the dining room and the living room too and to be honest, I really have no idea what to do. It was Christmas time. My wife and I were staying at her childhood home where her mother now lived all alone. Well, not if you include the cats I suppose. The house was on a quiet cul-de-sac in the suburbs. If you're picturing freshly mowed lawns, American flags, and empty sidewalks, you're picturing it right then. It's a single-story home with an attached garage out front. The garage has two doorways, apart from the electric garage of course, and one leads to the garden and backyard. This has a, an old doggy door from their days where dear old Max, Rip Max, that they covered with a piece of nailed-in wood. That had always made me slightly uncomfortable before, but I figured that it had been that way for years, so what's the worst that could happen? The second door leads to the kitchen, hollow core. It could stop a mouse, but not much else. And definitely not something that wanted in, or someone. So we were asleep in my wife's childhood bedroom at the front of the house, 3am. I was in that deep dark recess of sleep. You know, you're in the diving bell and you're submerged hundreds of meters below the surface in black water, protected from the real world by miles of nothingness. But then, I heard it. The scream. I heard, what are you doing? It was my mother-in-law's voice echoing down the hallway. To me, lost in a sea of sleep, it sounded like a jet engine roaring past my eardrum. I bolted up, and what happened next happened in a matter of seconds. But about that scream, even though I was dead asleep, I heard enough of it to sense just a, an urgency behind it. This wasn't a, oh you scared me type of scream, this was different, and I knew it. Not consciously, but my lizard brain, that piece that we retained from our primitive ancestors, just knew that something was wrong. I watch and I read a fair amount of true crime, and this scream awakened that horrible fear. The one that says, this can't really be happening to me, can it? Honestly, in that second of the night, it sounded like someone was about to be murdered. You ever wonder if you're a fight or flight type of individual? I always have, and I came to know something about myself after this night. I'm a fighter. I leaped out of bed, growled, yes growled, in the manliest voice that I could muster, I'm going to kill you, and took off running. I tore open the bedroom door and I ran into the hallway, and there, at the end, I saw my mother-in-law, nightgown on, look of utter shock on her face, standing still. We make eye contact as I continue toward her, then she turns her head, looks directly into the kitchen. I hurry past her and I ran the corner into the kitchen. The hollow core door is obliterated, just shards everywhere. I look through the open frame and see the electric garage door is open and I push ahead. As I run into the garage, I hear it. The sound of someone hopping into a running car just out of view. Just as I make it onto the driveway, I see a car peeling out from the sidewalk adjacent to the house. But the adrenaline is still pumping 
and who am I to say no to adrenaline, right? So, like an idiot, I run barefoot after this car. I give a good go, but I'm no Michael Johnson, and even he couldn't catch a speeding car. It soon vanishes down the street, and I'm left all alone, just standing there. The police showed up within three minutes, which, I have to say, makes me feel a lot more at ease with my mother-in-law living there. They took our statements, and my mother-in-law said that she heard a noise, the hollow core door being kicked in, and walked into the kitchen where she encountered the burglar, a small-framed woman. The police theorized that she was working as a part of a team. Her job was to squeeze through the doggy door, kick in the hollow core, and open the electric garage for her accomplices. According to the police, the burglars most likely thought that nobody was home. Fortunately, my mother-in-law must have caught her off guard and scared her, in addition to my manly growl, of course. But it feels good to know that everyone was safe, and to learn that I guess that I've got a little fight in me. Oh, and uh, for the record, we bought the heaviest wooden door that you've ever seen to replace that hollow core, and I'd like to see a mouse try and get through that. I'm a scrawny teenager who looks pretty sketchy most of the time, so I have weird encounters relatively often, if I'm being honest. But even this was a new one for me, though. So I'm at the mall and there's a store called Spencer's. For those who don't know, their back wall is basically just covered in sex toys. I'm walking out of the store opposite from the Spencer's and I see a 35-year-old man with two four-year-old girls walking into it. I don't know his name, so we'll just call him Psycho and I try to help him out, so I say, that's not the kind of store that you want to bring a little girl into. And the psycho responds with, why can't you mind your own damn business, you little shit? I walk away about 15 meters before saying, because there's a wall of dildos in the back, and continue walking. I turn around to see his reaction, only to see psycho starting to run towards me. I break into a sprint to hopefully not get murdered by some random nutjob, and hear from behind me, get back here. I turn my head to see how far he is, and his face is just the color of a lobster. After running a hundred meters or so, I don't see Psycho anymore, and assume that he went back to the two four-year-olds that he left in the sex shop. I was sorely mistaken, though. It turns out that someone called mall security because a 35-year-old tried to grab a teenager, and the place was swarming with mall cops by the time that I head back to see what happened to his kids. They found him near the last area that he had seen me, still trying to find me, mind you, and escorted him out of the mall without his children. I still have no idea what happened to them, but the fact that they were separated like that makes me very suspicious. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. 
Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. So, a 16-year-old female friend of mine passed away last Wednesday due to some kind of medical error or something. And I, uh, I had a huge crush on her and was planning to confess and mask her out, but... I never got the chance. On Wednesday, she was taken to the ICU because her condition was worsening and at 8pm, she passed away. I didn't know about it until the next day when my friend told me at school and I was just so devastated. I cried for God knows how. Her funeral and cremation were to be on Friday and all of my friends and I decided to go. On the day of the funeral, we all gathered at our classrooms to go there together. Also, not to be creepy, but she had a scent that I could easily recognize. And for some strange reason, I just got that scent in the classroom right before we left. I thought at first that I was just imagining things and ignored it. At the funeral, we said goodbyes to her, gave her flowers and letters and all those things that you do at a funeral, including a lot of crying. I told her that I loved her, that I will miss her, and left a bouquet of red roses on her chest. Although I said my goodbye, I didn't want to let her go yet, and when I got back home, I took a shower and just tried to relax after a really heavily emotionally day. But I could only think about her and the things I didn't say, and I would just start crying again. Therefore, I thought that I would take my mind off of it by playing some video games. So I started playing FIFA on my PS4 and it was going well. But at around 8pm, my cat was rummaging around upstairs so I went to bring her down. After I successfully drive my cat away, I started making my way back downstairs. But as I was halfway down the stairs, I swear to you that I heard my deceased friend yelling, Hey, Red! As I still wanted to see her and talk to her, I quickly went around the house looking for where the voice came from. When I went outside, I could hear the neighbor's kids playing loudly, but the voice that I heard was quite different from theirs. My cats were staring at the garage, but I couldn't see anything, and eventually I just gave up and thought to myself that maybe I'm hallucinating, and I just went back to playing FIFA. 30 minutes later, I heard another, hey, right beside me. I looked around me and I didn't see anything. I then started crying again as I told myself that I'll never see her again. Fast forward to this week Monday, my friends and I gathered again to just chill. I then brought up what happened on Friday. Turns out that my friends also had something to share. One of my friends said that he heard knocks on his windows but was afraid to open them. My other friend said that some kind of motor made sounds while she and her mother were talking and then she heard the friend. And as soon as we finished our stories, I caught that scent of her again. I searched for her but there was nothing. On Tuesday, we did some kind of sermon or ritual that would release her spirit. And in the middle of the night, 
I got one last very strong scent of her as if she was sitting right beside me. And after that, it was gone. I'm no longer getting those scents or many visits at all these days. But yeah, that's my story. When I was in fifth grade, I recall going to McDonald's with my two twin friends, me and their mother. We were all standing in line, just waiting to order. I was leaning on the wall behind me and just looking around. And this is when the altercation occurred. An old man was sitting at some sort of a counter or table thing, close to the registers. I don't remember what he was doing, but I recall his pen dropping. He seemed to notice it, but as I stated before, he was old, so he had a hard time leaning down. Being the sweet little ten-year-old that I was, I did a small jog over to him, bent over, and I picked up the pen for him. And as I did, he smiled at me and said, Good thing my zipper wasn't down, huh? Being so young, I totally didn't understand what the hell he meant, so I just awkwardly agreed and laughed. Afterwards, I went back with my friends, ordered the meal, and waited at the table with them. I finally asked my friend's mum, what does zipper wasn't down mean? And she only gave me a confused look. When further pressed though, I told her about the encounter and she got so pissed that she tried to look for the man, but he wasn't there anymore. It wasn't until high school when I went back to that same McDonald's in which I remembered that experience and that disgusting old man again. Being in the army and growing as strong as I am, I probably would deck him in the face these days, but when I was a kid, I was much, much more vulnerable. Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. My sister had a sleepover with a friend this weekend. They were both down in the basement because of the rec room that we have there. It's a pretty cozy room with an old Xbox, an easel for painting, some old armchairs and comics and whatnot. My sister and her friend often play around there by themselves just painting, playing Minecraft, usual 13-year-old stuff. We're pretty used to them being alone down there these days and our basement isn't seen as creepy or unsettling in any way. On Friday night, however, our evening got interrupted by the girls scrambling up the stairs shrieking like a couple of bats out of hell. There's something in the basement, my sister screamed. We'd figured that they just got spooked by a spider or something like that, so my parents went down to check and the basement was empty. The girls were asked what all the fuss was about and they told my parents the door handle to the basement just started rattling so hard the entire door started shaking. I later asked my sister what all the yelling was about too and she showed me what had happened. She said, it was like someone was trying to rip the door off. 
She said this while grabbing the door handle too and yanking on it like someone was trapped in there. It couldn't have been a draft as the bathroom isn't connected to any of the outside walls, nor does it have any windows. The girls were laughing and giggling like crazy from the excitement of getting spooked like that and we left it at being just a weird but harmless occurrence. It did, however, remind me of something that I remember happening to me as a kid in that same basement. I must have been maybe eight years old, I think, because I got my own key and was allowed to walk home on my own. I knew my parents were at work, so I unlocked the door and stepped inside. As I did, I looked at the basement door. The door has been removed now, and as I stepped inside, I saw the door handle start to rattle and the door opening. I got so scared that I just bolted out of the house straight over to my friend's house, bawling my eyes out the entire way. Once my parents came home and I told them what happened, they explained what a cross-draft was and how that's the most likely thing that caused the door to open like that. And you know, I honestly believed them back then, but after this weekend, I'm not so certain anymore. During the summers, my boyfriend and I take care of my parents' house while they're out traveling. The summer of 2017 was extremely hot here, so we slept in our basement to just try and hide from the heat. My boyfriend worked as a handyman at the time and would get up at about 6 in the morning. I worked the register. I worked the register at a store in time, so we worked very different hours. But the morning in question went as one could expect. At 6am, my boyfriend gave me a peck on the cheek to tell me that he was off to work and left me snoozing in bed. But about two hours later, I woke to a bang upstairs. I lay in bed, staring at the ceiling, groggy from sleep, and I heard the unmistakable sound of bare feet running on the hardwood floor. It started at the opposite end of the house and ran until it stood right over me, only to run back again. Being the lazy bum that I am, I texted my boyfriend from the bed. I wrote, Haha, what have you forgotten this time? Need me to come and help? And as I heard the footsteps run back and forth, my phone dinged. And it said, What? I'm at work. As I read the message, I could feel my blood turn cold as the steps stopped right above me. And my first thought was that someone must have broken in. So I grabbed an old bandy stick my parents had stored away and I started sneaking upstairs, ready to knock whoever had broken in the hell out. But when I did, an empty house greeted me. I felt the door just to be safe and it was as locked as it had been the night before. I stood in our sunny living room where I had heard the steps stop and suddenly my improvised weapon felt very obsolete. I used to ride a motorcycle as a sole method of transportation when I was studying, and I used to work on hotel cocktail bars during the summer holidays. Six years ago, I was working at a historic, stereotypically grand hotel in a very rural area of the UK. I worked a long afternoon and evening into the night, finishing cleaning up the bar around 2am and walked through the underbelly of the hotel to retrieve my motorcycle and make the journey home. 
I can still clearly remember the feeling of the crisp night air and the absolute pitch black silence of the countryside after the hot and seemingly never ending nights of serving drinks to diner goers and party goers and whatnot. It was always sort of um, intensely relaxing. Now that being an adult meant not being scared of the dark or being outside on a motorcycle in the middle of nowhere at 2am that is. Riding through the local town took me a few minutes before I left to follow the dark country roads home. At this point, I rode a Honda 125cc, around 11 horsepower, a basic and old but clean and it did the job, regardless of its quirks such as the dim headlight which would dim and flicker even more when coming to a stop. But I was riding along these pitch black roads with fields and woods surrounding me, very much alone for 20 minutes. But then I saw a brief blast of bright blue headlights in my mirrors coming from behind me. Moments later, dazzling headlights arrived behind me in seconds. Almost immediately, a large Range Rover pulls out to overtake me, blasting past barely inches away from me. I respond with a long blast of my horn. And that was a big mistake. The Range Rover pulls in front and slams on the anchors, in what seemed like an attempt to have me lose control under sudden braking or rear-end the Range Rover. Bikes can, even when they're old and really on drum brakes, stop pretty quickly, so I didn't rear-end into the maniac in front. I came to a controlled stop, I see the door of the range crack open, and a figure begins to step out. I went for it though, using all 11 HP of this little Honda's power, pulling an overtake. However, in those moments, this anger-crazed maniac had shut his door and stepped on the accelerator, causing us to be level and accelerating together when I reached his car. He then started to run me off the road, pulling me to the right, wedging me further over toward the ditch at the side of the road. And this is where I ended up, struggling to control the bike on the wet, dew-heavy grass around the side of the road, trying to stop the 140-kilo motorcycle dropping into the ditch. I struggled to regain balance but managed to pull the bike back onto the road. At this point I noticed the guy had got back out of the Range Rover and walked around the back, opened it and was reaching inside for something. I had turned the bike to face the other side of the road, ready to turn either way and make an escape from the escalating situation. And just as I looked to turn, I took one more look over at him to see him pulling a large long object out of the back of the Range. Again, I just went for it, taking another glance over my shoulder after 200 meters to see that he'd begun to continue driving up the road, away from where I'd run off the road. I slowed down to see what he'd do next, after driving away from me. He reached the top of the road and pulled over to the left, kind of waiting for me I think, the lights reflecting on the road. And man, it was eerie. My heart was beating so fast, but... It felt like time had stopped. I just carried on in the opposite direction to find an alternative route home in the pitch black. And just before doing this, I checked my phone for signal to see that I had no mobile coverage whatsoever. Over the summer, me, my fiancé and my stepdaughter, then two years old, went on a vacation to Presk. We stayed there throughout the afternoon and decided to get dinner in a nearby town. We go there and see a water fountain that kids can play in and we think our kid would like that so we get food and take her there. 
Now, it was a kind of a pretty sketchy area, I'll admit. There were a lot of people that were super ghetto, face tattoos and looking pretty high, but there were also kids and it was still a little light out, like 6.30 or 7pm-ish. Me and my fiancé sit down and watch our kid play for a bit, and at some point our kid wants me to run into the water with her, so I do. I kind of keep going back and forth between playing with her and keeping my fiancé company. After playing with my kid for a while, I came back to my fiancé. She looked kind of pale though and said, Go get the kid, we have to leave right now. I didn't know what was going on, but I go and get the kid and as I was turning to go back and get her, I noticed a group of about three really weird guys just staring intently at us. When I looked over... One of them stood up a little bit and was giving me a bit of a stare. I grab our kid and start following my fiancé who is now booking it. As we were walking away though, she tells me that somebody is following us now. I look over and see the creepy looking shirtless dude getting into his old beige sedan behind us. My fiancé explains to me that that same man kept approaching her whenever I would get up to run around with our kid. At first, he just introduced himself and tried talking to her. She thought that he was benign, but just trying to hit on her or something. But when I came back, he apparently bolted. I sat with her for a couple of minutes and then went back to play with our kid. Apparently, as soon as I went though, he returned. He asked her if she was married to me. She said that we were going to be, hoping that that would be the end of it. He goes away before I come back to sit with her again. And the third and final time I go to play with that kid, he apparently came back again. He told her that she was a beautiful lady and asked if that was her daughter, pointing to our kid. My fiancé said yes, and the guy said that our kid was also a beautiful lady, and that his night was going to be made. Whatever that means, right? Cue when I come in and we just book it. We're walking back to our car, which is kind of far away, It was eerie in general because it was pretty abandoned outside of the park. We noticed the car pull out and start driving extremely slowly in a street parallel to us. At this point, I don't think he knew that we saw him. My fiancé is freaking out and I'm telling her to wait near the closed Starbucks where we weren't in this guy's vision. We stayed there for about five minutes and I was watching the roads and I wasn't seeing anything. We continue walking, but are still very much on high alert. I find my car parked outside of the McDonald's, and we're now power walking to it, holding our kiddo. I look behind, and lo and behold, the same beige car is going at three miles per hour, just barely inches out from the side street, so I can just see it. As my fiancé and our kid are getting in, I turn around and stare back at the car and shoot this guy the death stare. After looking at his car for about 10 seconds solid, he just peels out and speeds off past us, nearly hitting me. I'm really not sure what this guy's problem was, but if you're an eerie PA, watch out for some scummy looking man that's about 6 feet tall, very wiry, possibly Hispanic, and driving a beige tan car. I assume that he wasn't tailing us for any good reason. Also, afterwards, I bring up the three guys that were staring at and my fiancé said that the pervert following us was sitting with them when he wasn't coming over to her and saying some pretty creepy stuff.
This is a story that my grandparents and my mum used to talk about. So at some point, my great-grandfather went to the forest to pick up some woods. Back in those days, that's what you had to do. He went there during night since it was illegal to take wood from the forest. And by chance, he met there another man from the village who was doing the same thing. They agreed to stick together. A little time passed when they saw a small billy goat. Its fur was black and my great-grandfather assumed that someone had lost it. They decided to take the billy goat with them in order to share its meat later. They put the billy goat in a sack and that was when some really weird stuff started to happen. The sack became heavier and heavier and they exchanged it often between them as it was getting so heavy to move that it was exhausting. At some point the billy goat was so agitated that my great grandfather said, take it easy billy goat. But then the goat repeated the same exact words in a really weird voice. My great grandfather immediately dropped the sack, got a gun out and shot the sack twice. But when he did, there was nothing in there but thin air. They were convinced that it was the devil since they had in mind to steal wood. I usually stay up very late because I love being outside in my yard at night. But a few weeks ago, I was hanging around outside, sitting on a rock and just looking up at the sky. Everyone was completely asleep, including my pets, and I was the only person left awake, as usual when I heard something whisper. And the strange thing was that it sounded like it was right near me. I heard the voice clearly and I even remember how it sounded. It was raspy and feminine. It must have been speaking gibberish because I just couldn't understand it at all, even though I could clearly hear it speaking. I was frozen for a moment. I was afraid of looking anywhere, so I just kept my eyes down and waited until it stopped. It whispered for like almost three seconds, I'd say, and when it stopped, I just ran inside and didn't get out for the whole night. And a few days later, something else happened. Usually my parents lock the gate because there's a lot of creepy people lurking around in this area since it's so quiet and secluded. But I need to check on my cats a lot since they lurk around at night near the river and I'm scared of something happening. Also part of a little remaining bit of OCD that I have left. So I jumped on the wood that we used for our fireplace, situated near the fence so I could look outside and see if my babies were up to something. And when I did, I saw something near the river. It's dark on the street, only illuminated by the streetlights, but I saw something moving through the trees, which are pretty tall. And it was really, really sudden movement. I don't even know for how long it lasted, but it felt out of this world. It felt like this shouldn't have belonged in this reality. It moved that quickly. And when I saw it, I felt the worst dread in my life that I've ever felt and I just couldn't do anything. It was kind of like a human-shaped void and I couldn't really see anything else from the distance that I was at. Actually, I'm not even sure how it looked like. It was like shaped a bit like a human, but it looked almost wrong. Like its bones, if it even has them, were kind of twisted around. And it might have been dark outside, but this thing was darker than anything else I've ever seen. There wasn't anyone else in the area, and I know how a person in the dark looks, so this was no person. 
I was shocked and I think it must have lasted for a second or two, but what I know is that that thing, it shouldn't have been there. I quietly got off the wood so I didn't make a commotion and I went inside. And I must admit that it's really shaken me to my core. After that too, I kept feeling just really weird and a bunch of times I felt like I was being shoved and pushed, even though there's nothing there and these days I just always feel really uncomfortable here. My daughter Madison always had imaginary friends. They were always in pairs. There was Danner and Steve, Frogger and Kinga, and boyfriend and girlfriend. But then one day she told me at around age three, she's now 15, about Kellum that played with her. I thought that it was odd that this imaginary friend was flying solo, but I played along and asked if Kellum was her age. She told me that Kellum wasn't a kid, that he was a grown-up who was tall like her daddy, and wore brown pants and a yellow shirt. I still thought that we were talking about someone from her imagination, so I didn't dwell on it. Until one day, she started singing a song that I'd never heard before. Daisy, Daisy, give me your answer, do. I'm half crazy, all for your love of you, and... Then she'd mumble a few words and pick back up with a bicycle build for two. This went on for a few days, and I assumed that she'd heard it from our babysitter or something, as she didn't go to daycare, and that's the only other person who interacted with her at length, outside of immediate family, that is. So I asked the babysitter what the actual lyrics were, so I could help her sing it better babysitter tells me that she thought my husband and I taught her the song because she didn't know it either. I then ask my daughter where she heard the song and she tells me that Kellum taught it to me. He sings it to his baby. And this definitely gave me the creeps. But I thought it best to just chalk it up to something she heard on television rather than face what I was actually thinking. Eventually, Kellum faded away and she stopped singing the song. She grew out of her imaginary friend phase, and we never thought about Kellum again. But fast forward to about five years ago, I'm telling the story to a co-worker who actually recognized the song as an old Nat King Cole tune called Bicycle Built for Two that was popular way back in the early 20th century. Well, that prompted us to start looking on Ancestry.com at my property address history, and I start following rabbit holes and found that in the 40s, the Beasley family bought the property adjacent to ours and ran a small dairy farm on it until it was sold in the 90s. And the deeded owner at the time that it was purchased in 1941 was Callum Beasley. Callum was the father of five children and his youngest died at age three and her name was Madeline. So first, some information about my great-grandmother, Gigi. She was born to immigrant parents in 1911 and passed away at the age of 94. Her father was an Englishman and her mother was from Luxembourg. Most of her family spoke German as well as English. However, Gigi only knew a little German. Gigi's mother only spoke German and was also almost completely deaf. So therefore, Gigi relied on either her sisters to translate the mangled German or a crude family sign language that they had developed. 
Jiju grew up in rural North Dakota, and to frame the time period, she once told me about how, when she was a little girl, her family would regularly barter with members of the Mandian tribe, whom she described as real Indians, not like today. She also only attended the local school to about the sixth grade. Later in life, she was not particularly bright, but not dumb by any means. She was religious, but not a Bible thumper the type of woman who you would give a religious birthday card to, and a Ninja Turtle action figure who had a picture of Jesus but just never said grace. But the one thing that she was always very serious about was how she had met the devil. Gigi would tell this story when prompted, but she never seemed to enjoy it and was always just consistent in her description. So, when she was 10 years old, she was misbehaving. Her father wasn't home and her mother, again, didn't speak English. Her mother attempted to control her, but Gigi just ignored her. Finally, her mother tried to grab a hold of her, but Gigi flailed and almost hit her mother. Gigi's mother caught her hand and looked her cold in the eyes. She let Gigi go and pointed at the closet and left the room. Now, Gigi and her siblings were often sent to the closet as a sort of timeout, and she knew that she had messed up. So she went to accept her punishment, but when she opened the door, something was inside of there. Gigi said that the being had hooves and was covered in dark fur, which subsided a bit on the torso or the chest up to the face. The being had a man's face with dark eyes, an unkempt beard, and a mop of dirty black hair. And from only one side of its head rose a deer antler. Gigi said that the being stepped forward slightly before she slammed the closet door shut. She shrieked and her mother came to see what the commotion was. Gigi could only really cry and wave her arms, but her mother opened the closet door anyway and there was nothing there. She was always very serious about that story and admittedly writing it even now makes me feel just off somehow. But that's how the story of how my great-grandma met the devil actually went apparently. However, she also said that aliens gave her a stroke. So a few years before she died, Gigi had a number of strokes. She was in her late 90s at the time. The first was not debilitating. It just took some time to recover. Gigi and her husband, my great-grandfather, adored fast food. They had to substance hunt during the depression to feed their children, so they just marveled at good fast food. Great-grandpa loved McDonald's, but Gigi loved pizza, specifically Godfather's pizza. After she had mostly recovered from a stroke, my family took my great-grandparents to Godfather's as a kind of celebration thing. Being a dumb kid, I got a bunch of quarters from my dad for arcade games and pretty much ignored my great-grandparents. To this day, I really do regret not spending more time with them. But I had an odd number of quarters after the games and the restaurant had one of those little toy dispensers. The ones with the plastic egg things and I bought one with my last quarter and it was a tiny plastic alien giving a peace sign. Done with the games, I returned to the table. I was fiddling with the alien, classic grey looking, and Gigi noticed it. When I set the alien down, Gigi looked at it and inspected it closely. With everyone at the table, she held up the alien and looked at me and said, Them's the things that come and got me. My mum, half laughing, said, What, Grandma? Gigi repeated herself and then said that they were the reason that she was in hospital. When my grandfather, Gigi's son-in-law, told her that she was in the hospital because of a stroke, she said, them things gave me the stroke. 
family just sort of stopped pressing at this point and things settled down after that. Most of my family just chalked it up to a, a joke or a stroke or something. I don't buy that it was a joke. Gigi was sweet, but she wasn't really a joker. Furthermore, I don't even think she knew what a grey alien was. I mean, she hadn't seen a movie since the 1950s, she didn't really watch TV, and she only really read the newspaper. She mostly just did crafts and listened to music in her spare time. As for it being a stroke hallucination, well, maybe, but it's still weird, right? Anyway... Those are the stories of how my great-grandmother met the devil and how space aliens gave her a stroke. So I've lived in this house for three years now. We moved in when I was 12 and also I'm a female. I never really met the man next door, just a couple of times we would see each other outside, when I would come home from school that is, and... He would never say a word to me, just kind of give me a look that, quite honestly, would scare me a bit. But one thing you all should know is that I've always had an irrational fear of windows. My worst fear was to see someone's face at night. And another thing you should know is my room's layout. So, when you walk in, it has two big windows. It's a small room. One faces the house next door, which from it I could see their bathroom and they could see into my full room. My other window just faces into my backyard and I can see a bit of their backyard too. So I was 14 and it was about 9.30pm. I was coming home from the 8th grade prom and I just went to my room as quickly as possible to change out of my dress because I was so sweaty. I get into my room and I start taking off my dress until I'm just in my underwear. I was also texting my friends at the same time so I was completely distracted when something just made me look up and... I saw the man in his bathroom and not a single light on us. He was just staring right at me, grinning. When I realized what was going on, all I thought about doing was turning off the light and slowly sneaking into my bed and changing into my clothes. Once I did that, it took me a good 20 minutes to get up and leave. I crawled out of my bed and onto the floor and opened my door and just ran out and told my mum and she was creeped out as well. We told my father 10 minutes later who then put blinds on my window. I would see him out in the backyard a couple of nights later looking into my other window and I would just hide against the wall and then out of nowhere he just disappeared. We never really knew what happened to him too because he just up and vanished. I'll never forget that night though because it scares me to think of just how many other times he must have watched me undress or when I've come out of the shower and changed and... I just never caught him until that night. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience 
and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.